0: And no man was able to answer him in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear friends, in the the last few weeks, I've been giving a series of sermons to the faithful on uh, how to think, judge and act rightly. And uh, I wanted to continue that series uh, primarily because our Lord has given us the tools on how to act rightly in what we call the, the cardinal virtues. The cardinal virtues are those four virtues, the temperance, prudence, justice and fortitude which uh, deal with our neighbour and all the other virtues stem from basically those four virtues. There are what we call you know, the, the three theological virtues, faith, hope and charity. They deal in our relationship primarily with God. But the four cardinal virtues that God has given us are to help us in our dealings with our neighbour and one of the most difficult things in life is precisely dealing with people, uh, even within our own family, outside our family, um, uh, in life. or dealing with life and the circumstances that situations where we find ourselves in and we have to make decisions. Uh, the Old Testament uh, uh, patriarch there, Job, uh, says that our life on earth is warfare. It's a battle. And we have to know how to... Uh, wage war successfully and in speaking of war perhaps uh, the greatest war general that ever lived is a man you probably may not have heard of his name was Sun Tzu he lived maybe around the year 500 uh, BC uh, before Christ Um, and he's the greatest not only because of his actions in war but more precisely because of the the brilliance and the strategies he wrote down that we are to use to wage a successful war. And at the time there was uh, in what we call modern day China. China in those days, before the time of Emperor Qin, that's where we get the name China from, was uh, just a large continent where it was divided into warring states. Uh, they, they were constantly at war with each other to uh, for power and, and money and success. Uh, and in, in this time, uh, one part of the empire uh, had an army of 300,000 men. So it came to uh, overcome a smaller region with only 33,000 men. And humanly speaking, there's no way that an army of only 33,000 men can defeat an army of 300,000. So the uh, uh, one of the senior generals said to the emperor, uh, there's no way, humanly speaking, we can win, but perhaps I can ask you to call upon Zanz- Zanzutu to to give us advice on what to do. So Sun Tzu came and he said uh, even though you've only got 33,000 men with that number I can still wipe out an army even 10 times the number that is coming against you and they said well how, how are you going to do that? He said it's very simple that any, any warfare that is fought out on the battlefield for it to be successful must be first fought out and planned in the mind and that's what he did. With an army of 33,000 men, he wiped out an army of 300,000. And then he wrote uh, and put down the rules upon which uh, you uh, strategically and prudently apply in order to win and wage such a successful warfare. And I'm not going to go into those uh, points, but my point is his rules are simply rules of discernment, rules of prudence that we need to apply in, uh, in our actions. And that's why, in, in stressing this point, St. Basil points out for us that prudence must precede every action which we undertake. For if uh, prudence be wanting or lacking, there is nothing, however it may seem, regardless of how good it may appear, which will not be turned into evil. Uh, you know, we often say to ourselves uh, that saying that oh, I really put my foot in it this time. In other words, what what you might have done or said maybe it's a good thing in itself but it probably wasn't the right time or the place for it prudence helps us to discern uh this reality that's why the the book of proverbs points out that prudence is the fountain of life to the prudent man it is his source of strength in order for him to go about uh, being successful in fulfilling god's plan for him in his life and prudence then seeks two primary things. Firstly, it gives us the ability to discern uh, right from wrong, but more primarily then how to proceed. Once we've discerned from right from wrong, how do we go about proceeding in our actions to achieve the, the best end using the most appropriate means to obtain that end? In other words, it looks into the reality of the situation and it, it, using circumspection, it's, it takes into account the person, the place, the time uh, uh, of the uh, thing that we are confronting so that we can use the best words, uh, actions, uh, proper and fitting for the occasion in order to draw out the best in, in each situation that we find ourselves in. Obviously, there's the two types of prudence. There is the human prudence, uh, which judges things from the principles of this world but we are talking more about the supernatural prudence which takes uh, god takes god and uh, the the virtue of faith for its foundation Uh, that's the prudence that we are looking at today the prudence requires some some helpers help from other virtues the prudent man firstly uh, uh, accompanies all of his actions with counsel uh, looks into uh, taking some advice from somebody who who may uh, know a bit better you know you 're going to buy a, a very expensive product uh, or I- any product really a prudent thing would be to look uh, do some reviews, some research. Is this a good product or is it useless and I, I think usually most of us have made this mistake. We click the thing looks good, and then we get this uh, this flimsy, useless product, which is not what it promised to be but it, it, if we uh, done some reviews, looked into some, uh, taken some advice, perhaps you would have made a better judgment. And and the same thing is, you know, you're, you're dating someone, you want to get married, uh, get some advice. Uh, is this person for me? What, what do the family members, what do the people in the town, what do they say about this person? Take some advice. Maybe you're blinded by your passions. You, you can't judge properly. As the old saying goes, no man is, is, a, is a, a judge in his own case. Uh, and this is why the man, the man who's prudent he must be impartial. St. Ignatius points this out. Um, he, he says that when you, you've got to make a difficult decision, present the whole problem to, to yourself as though it was coming from someone from the outside, uh, from an objective point of view. And then what would you say to that person who came to you with this dilemma? Well, he says, then take that, that uh, advice yourself. But the problem for us is, in this situation, is it's hard for us to judge things being objective because we have often got our own motives uh, um, and it's not necessarily bad. Uh, I love this girl, and I, I, but we can be blinded by our, our passions, our feelings, our subjective attitude, not being able to see, well, there are good points here, but there's also flaws that, that may be a, a major problem later on or there may be a, 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 a something that is there But it can be corrected, can be dealt with, can be addressed. So how do we address that? But if we don't address it beforehand and choose to remain blind, well, uh, well we cause ourselves much grievance later on. But we must be impartial when we judge. And the uh, prudence requires the added virtue of common sense. And common sense is simply somebody who's the ability to look at things, put them together and take a very simple and straightforward uh, assessment of the situation. But again, common sense seems to be very lacking today. But also another tool which is very important in any decision we've got to make is the virtue of foresight, to think ahead. You know the old saying, uh, forearmed is forewarned. You know, at the beginning of the sermon I mentioned, next uh, Sunday going to be uh, daylight saving. We, 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 we forearm you, forewarn you, prepare you. So you don't come late to Mass or the wrong time to Mass. Uh, it's just a, a basic... Uh, aspect of prudence, that you you think ahead, I'm going to make this decision. Well, what are the the pros and cons of this decision? What are the consequences that possibly could arise from this decision? Uh, uh, Do I really want to go down that road as a result of the possible consequences uh, that may come? You may or you may not, but you have to be realistic uh, about that, and that's called foresight. Uh, There's going to be consequences to our actions. And prudence also thinks with foresight and caution. Uh, do we need to proceed? Does a word need to be said? Does it not need to be said? Uh, but it doesn't mean that we uh, caution. I'm not referring to fear. Fear is from the devil. Uh, we don't, it's not a question of fear and not proceeding. It's a question of proceeding aware of the things that may come up. Uh, what are the issues that are, we're going to have to confront and the way we're going to confront them? Uh, people obviously have feelings, emotions. So we have to take that into consideration in the way we address or deal with them. These are all factors that have to be considered. And therefore there are also sins against prudence. That is being uh, acting impulsively. And as I said earlier, you know, sometimes we buy things and we buy them uh, impulsively, uh, uh, we, without thinking. We do things without thinking. We say things without thinking out of our uh, reaction, uh, emotional. And uh, we realized we, we shouldn't have said that, we shouldn't have done that, we should have uh, acting impulsively, uh, uh, choosing to, to go about something without looking at the proper means. So, our Lord refers to these people as fools. Uh, he says, like a man who wants to build a house, he goes about, he's going to build a house, and halfway as he's building the house, he uh, realized he ran out of money. Uh, it's a nice thing to want to build a house, but. You got to think that uh, do I have the means? Or as our Lord says, the man builds a house, but he builds on sand. Well, as soon as the the weather bad weather comes, it, it crumbles. It, obviously, the didn't go about things the, the right way. Uh, and then also, then the uh, imprudent man is inconsistent. Inconsistent. They make a decision, yeah, we go ahead. But as soon as things go bad, oh, we got to change. That's why Saint Ignatius says, uh, when you're in doubt, when you're confused, when you're uh, angry? Don't make a change. Uh, you stick to your decision. Uh, when things are cloudy, you're, uh, my boss has upset me, I'm angry, I'm going to quit. No, hold on. You're upset, understand. Give it some time. The, the storm has to pass because in that time you're basing your decision on, on uh, your emotions, not on reality, on, on how you feel. Uh, our our decisions should be based on facts, not on how we feel. And, uh, much like driving in, and there's hail and rain and storm, well, you've got to pause, you've got to slow down because you can't see ahead of you. Uh, pause, slow down, uh, and wait for the uh, storm to pass and then continue proceeding. It's uh, uh, so not that we have to go back home or whatever. Well, we continue, but there's, there's, there's got to be uh, a firmness in our resolution without going back and forward. And that also means the danger there is uh, being lazy in in confronting things. And now we're going to come back to this point later on. Uh, Often we add, I don't want to make trouble. I I don't want to make a a, a scene. So we we don't confront the things that we have to. Uh, And that's not the solution either. Sweeping real issues under the carpet, that's not uh, prudent. That's just a lack of fortitude. And we'll see that some other time. But these are real sins. And uh, extended on this is this lack when it comes to prudence often we we judge things from the worldly affair. Therefore, the human prudence tends to make us look at how we going to what we're going to get out of it, or makes us fearful, uh, makes us fearful or cunning. Fearful are uh, uh, what people are going to say, what people are going to think uh, irrelevant. What is my duty here in this situation? What should I, I do? Uh, not how what people think, or what am I going to get lose out of it from a worldly point of view? You may lose a lot. But uh, it's your, from a supernatural point of view, it's your duty to lose a lot because you gain a lot more in the kingdom of uh, heaven. That's what people who give alms do. They give alms deeds. You, you lose something materially, but you gain a lot more in the kingdom to come. You're not judging it from the worldly prudence. Uh, it's a danger for us when we look at prudence to think things from the worldly perspective. And it not only makes us fearful, but also lacking in trust of uh, God's providence, all this what if that or what if this uh, this is from not from god we proceed with caution but with confidence and trust in god and so some practical some practical tools for you today uh, that will assist you in whatever thing you're dealing with it can be a person place uh, event can be used in any field of life first tool is before we do anything in our life we must commend it to god we, we pray we trust we turn to god Uh, But we must not be like the Protestants. Whatever I like, therefore, uh, uh, because I prayed about it, this is what God wants me to do. This is not the the Catholic answer. We pray to God and then we seek advice. We seek advice, we counsel. Uh, And we could seek advice from the living, friends, relatives, priests, teachers, or from the dead, the saints. Uh, Or as St. Ignatius says, uh, how would you have felt having made this decision If you are now on your uh, before God in judgment, on your deathbed, would this decision be? Would you be happy with this decision or not? Uh, That's a good way to to weigh things up, to consider what decision to make. Uh, uh, Then, we first and foremost must know ourselves. That is, we must know our strengths, our weaknesses, our limitations, which means that we must learn at the beginning not to trust in how smart I am, how worldly cunning I am. We must learn to trust in God. Put our trust in God, proceed with uh, caution and confidence in him, but our trust is not in men. Our trust is in ourselves, of how smart I am, how well educated I am, but in God. And God uh, uh, is going to assist me uh, as I proceed with these principles in mind. And then As we proceed with that, uh, being honest with ourselves, knowing that we are prone perhaps to, with our own motives or what have you, uh, and trusting in God, we must be able to first be silent. Silent. Silent to do what? First to pray, but then to do the most difficult thing uh, in our life, and that is to be able to listen. To listen. Listen to not only what God is saying, but what the person in front of me or the 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 situation is telling me itself that's a very hard thing this is why saint james the apostle says you know my dearly beloved brethren let every one of you be swift to hear but slow to speak and slow to anger today we are very quick to speak Uh, we are quick to anger because we base our life on our emotions and this is a danger for us we must be able to listen and listening is not an easy task. It's a very difficult task. There's a very good book written recently by a man named Christopher Voss. He was an a ex-FBI uh, agent. His role was simply to negotiate with the terrorists. That's his main role. And he was basically successful in almost every situation uh, in achieving the end and, and release and of dealing with the people that is being captured and, and these criminal organisations. But he said the first thing that we had to do is... When we had to negotiate with these people, we had to learn to listen. And on our end, there was like seven or eight people on our side trying to listen. He said the reason is because every detail that person is saying is so important for us, so important. Uh, so we had to make sure that we didn't miss a detail. So we didn't uh, cut ourselves short by the details that were being given in the conversation. In other words, listening is not something purely passive. It's also something active, which is not an easy thing for us to do. Recently, uh, Dr Jordan Peterson, a well known psychologist, he made made a sort of a very uh, brazen statement. At first, it seems almost impossible to be true. He said that here's a a quick way to make sure you never get into an argument with your spouse. And that sounds impossible. That can't be true. But it, it is actually possible. And he just simply says, very simple, when your spouse or somebody states something that is going to make you upset, he says, simply just don't respond to, uh, don't come back with your own response, simply restate to them what you think that they actually said and make sure that it's actually what they are saying. In this way, what do you do? You disarm them by showing A, you're concerned for what they've said, B, you're trying to listen to what they said and see that you want to be clear about what it is that they have said. Already you've won them just in this aspect, that you are concerned uh, to what they've said. And what does that show? That shows that you are giving them empathy. Empathy doesn't mean that you are sympathetic to their cause, you you can be dealing with a murderer, you can be dealing with the devil. But the point is it's irrelevant who you're dealing with. It is important nevertheless on our part to be clear, to show them that we are empathetic. And what it means to be empathetic is simply to say, I understand where you're coming from. Our Lord, when he's tempted by the devil in the desert, our Lord is empathetic to the devil. What does he say to him? He says, yeah, I know what you're asking. When he asks our Lord to change uh, the stones into bread, our Lord doesn't say that's ridiculous, that man man needs to eat. Our Lord doesn't say that. He says, I know, I know that man needs to eat. Uh, he says, but man does not live on bread alone. But in all those three temptations, note, notice one thing. What is our Lord saying to the devil? Our Lord is quoting the devil, uh, the Bible, the Old Testament. All those words come from the book of Deuteronomy. And they're, they're common ground with the devil. Our Lord is saying, I know where you're coming from. I understand what you're saying. In fact, those words, we, we both know, they come from the Bible and God, they're God's word. And both our Lord and the devil agree on the truth of God's word. The devil believes in the Bible 100%. He just despises it, but he believes it and he knows it's true. So our Lord is empathetic with the devil, but he's not sympathetic with the devil. Some cases you only have to be empathetic. In other cases, as you know, like your child or boy, someone falls over, well, you need to show not only empathy, but also sympathy. Uh, so as St. Paul says, uh, we become all things to all men in order to gain all men. And, and often, you know, sometimes a child falls over and they're in tears. As soon as you show not only the empathy and the, then the sympathy with the child, it's like the pain has gone away. They're, they're going up and playing again. Why is that? Because you've dealt with the heart of the the issue that they're wounded, and they need they need a consoler. And that consolation, it's like it's taken away the physical pain. Very often. Uh, And and we can do that. We can look at the situation. Here it calls for empathy, making sure I understand what the person has has said, but without sympathy. But sometimes it requires both, both empathy and sympathy. And St. Paul mentions this aspect in today's epistle, in today's Mass, that we, we support one another, we assist one another, we show that kindness to one another. And our Lord gives the main principle, do unto others what you would them do to you, uh, apply that principle to your neighbor how would you want them to deal with you or to do with them the way you would want them to deal with you it's it's a profound principle that our lord himself uh, gives to us saint ignatius points this out he says we ought to be more ready to give a favorable interpretation to the statement of others than to condemn it but what if what if the statement of the other is clearly sounds totally wrong what do we do then well, St. Ignatius answers this. He says, if what they said can't be given a, a favourable interpretation, then we ought to at least ask them, what did you mean? And often, often people don't even give you that, that basic level of decency. They'll just say, oh, so-and-so said this. Well, well what did, did you ask them what they meant by that? Uh, no. Well, you just presume badly. That's, that's not a good spirit. What did they mean by that? Uh, and then if it's very clear what they meant was 100% wrong, Then St. Ignatius again says, then in such a case, it ought to be corrected with love. But what if they refuse to listen? Well then, uh, St. Ignatius says, if that doesn't suffice, let the Christian try all suitable ways to bring about to the other a suitable understanding so that they may be saved. Try and instruct them, try and help them. Because if they don't, if they go down the wrong path, uh, they may lose their soul. It's It's a question of faith and morals. Very important. Uh, it 's it's our duty to assist them in any way we can. Uh, sometimes you know you 're dealing with people and they, they, they can be very strange, they can be very odd. they can be also maybe if I can say their reaction can sometimes seem like that of a psychopath can be but in that case in that case, there are several solutions to that. firstly, that first, we must understand everybody has a Religion, what do I mean by everybody has? I, mean, I don't mean everybody believes in God, what I mean is that everybody has a core belief that they follow. A basic one that we, we all follow, and, and everybody in the world follows, is that everybody loves themselves. Our Lord says, Love your neighbor as you love yourself, and, and, and loving yourself is not a bad thing, it's just when it becomes disordinate. Uh, so, people are, are obviously sometimes they're difficult because they're they exaggerate the themselves. They take themselves overly seriously. So, uh, for us, put ourselves in their shoes, understand the religion they come from. Uh, a little, a simple way of putting it. You know, with, when you are dealing with children, the language of children is not the gospel language. Saint Paul says, "When I was a child, I did the things of a child." So, usually, the, the things of a child are very simple. Actually, chocolate chips, lolly, ice cream. It's not hard. It's not complicated. So it's not hard to speak their language if you really want to get across to them. Uh, and usually with simple and honest people, it's not hard. To, a bank robber, he's normally not robbing the bank because he wants to give a, a money in arms deeds, right? So he's, he's robbing the bank because he wants money to have a comfortable life. That, so his language is not hard to understand. Uh, everybody would like to have an abundance of money. So approach the matter from their, their perspective. That's why Saint Paul says, "I become all things to all men." Why? To gain all men. So I come, I bring myself to their level, to their level of understanding, seeing. And our Lord did that in the Gospels. Our Lord ate with sinners, and the sinners loved Him not because He confirmed them in their sin. On the contrary, He said to Mary Magdalene, "Go and sin no more." But they saw that He loved them, and by that He won them. You can't not but uh, move people to the good, uh, and this is a very important point. In the past, everybody, uh, without even being told, understood this principle. That is that in a, in, a, in a case of conflict, the one who's more senior, normally in age or rank, but sometimes the one who's more senior in common sense or, or virtue, is the one who's responsible for diffusing a situation. So you know, let me, let me show you. In the last few years, we've seen, unfortunately, but it's a it's a result of the the crisis in both the the world and in the church uh that the police have really acted quite badly especially during the the covid times but even recently with the the way they they tasered this 90 year old senile woman she had a knife yeah sure but senile uh, she has, has a walker excessive excessive uh, uh excessive force disproportionate force for uh, an old lady ridiculous But But that stems from this problem of people think uh, in terms of cowboys and Indians. I've got authority and the authority is about me and and my authority is being challenged and my life is being challenged. Ridiculous, childish. And again, something that that was the very opposite of what I saw recently and is that it wouldn't never happen, unfortunately, today in the Western world. But in in Asia, uh, 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 some man walked in, to a police station, waving a knife, threatening to kill everyone in there. And the police officer got up from his desk, looked up, uh, stood, on, uh, stood up and then sat back down, but this time on his desk and calmly just spoke very quietly, peacefully to the man and said, look, nobody here is against you, nobody wants to harm you, just hand over your knife. And just kept repeating the same thing in a very calm, easy, cool tone. And the man handed over the knife and the police hugged him and, and all was resolved. In other words, how did he respond? responded, Okay, I'm in authority, but my duty is to diffuse the situation, not to make it worse. And, and, and unfortunately, by applying might is right, we make the situations worse. How many marriages should have been happily married, unfortunately end up in disaster because, because somebody took the might is right mentality. You know, let me give you an example, and I, let me say before I give you the example, that I am not in any sense justifying the bad reaction of in authority. I am not doing that and that is to be condemned. But we don't have have charge, we don't have, we can't predict the response of other people. But what we do have control is over our response. And a perfect example of that, of which I'm going to explain in a bit more detail, is Saint Monica. Saint Monica was married to a, a pagan who was a violent man and a brute and a womanizer. When she would go into the town and talk with the other woman, she says in her own writing that the other women also were married to, to Roman men who were brutes, but they were often covered in bruises. Saint Monica was not. And she says, because uh, I never, I never uh, took advantage of the fact that he was uh, a, 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 dis- a disordinate man. On the contrary, uh, I approached him in a very prudent, calm, cool way. So in other words, she knew that she could easily use the right word which would make him explode. She knew that, but knowing that, forearmed her, forewarned her, prepared her, there is a time. And I'm not saying, and again, this, is, can, this point can be so badly misunderstood, that is often you, in many traditional Catholics, especially today, think that to be a good wife or a good uh, person uh, under obedience, that means you have to just offer it up. And, and that is a big lie, that's false. The church has never taught that and will never support that. Because what you end up doing then is producing a monster. And when you produce a monster, guess what? You before God will answer for that. Look at the way Saint Monica dealt with her husband and look at the way she dealt with Saint Augustine, totally different way, but she won them both to God. She was quite scathing and severe to to Augustine and she won him to God. She was prudent, but at the same time with her husband, there were times when she did correct him. She did say things to him, but there was a time, a place and a manner. They're not the same thing. She didn't sweep things under the carpet because if she did, she would have produced a monster in her son who would have went to hell and her husband who would have went to hell. No, she dealt with things. She addressed things, but in the proper place, manner, time, according to the disposition of each one that is involved. This is the the plan. Uh, 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 There's a place, there's a time. This is the Catholic answer. You know, today, unfortunately those in authority most of them not only don't belong there but that like this present pope he runs the church like a tyrant a dictator and our lord tells us the greatest among you will serve one of the greatest titles in the church in the past for the pope was the title of the servant of the servants of god our authority shouldn't be something that those under us feel but that they, they understand is a protection, a blessing, a grace and assistance for them. Why so many today resist and resent those in authority? Because often they are disgusting. And, and you see this today with the, the civil uh, uh, authorities, the way that they think that their authority is for them. And they can keep adding and imposing more and more laws. Uh, and at the same time they forget that they are civil servants, servants of the people. Not the dictators and judges of the people. Uh, That's not the spirit in which we lead, we govern. Our Lord said, learn of me, not because I know everything, but because I am meek and humble of heart. My burden is light and my yoke is sweet. That's how somebody in authority governs. That's how they should be to those under them or anyone they are dealing with, uh, whether it's an inferior or a superior. And again, our Lord at times is quite scathing in the New Testament. He takes cords and he makes them into whips and overturns the tables and at times he says to the Pharisees, "Your father is the devil and other times our lord is is quite like in today's gospel he's, he, he gives and takes he answers he responds uh, he questions he's quite friendly, quite amicable uh, uh, extremely uh, calm rational solid uh, each time is uh, each time our Lord is uh, using this uh, supernatural virtue of counsel of prudence in his dealings with each one. To draw the best out of each one, given the situation. And sometimes, yeah, the best situation is to, to be blunt with the person. That's sometimes the language they need. And you know this, sometimes with some children, all you need to do is give a glance. That's enough. Some children, you need to say a word. Some children, you, you need to use more than that, that. Everyone's different. But you have to address yourself to the to the occasion, the situation, to the time, to place, the prudence. The Holy Ghost will give us the grace. And you know, the old saying that love or charity always finds a way. Love and charity will help you find a way. Uh, how do I get through to this person? Well, if you love them enough, you will find a way. It's it's not actually that hard. But we have to love them. That's why St. Paul says, uh, fathers, do not Provoke your children to anger. Yeah, the fathers don't provoke your children, your spouse, your those under you. Don't provoke them to anger. You can easily do that with your authority and make them resentful. Do not do that. But rather, he says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Which means we are not. What we are not saying is that we we are. And you often see this with spouses who are upset with each other. That are uh, what they do is uh, to avoid the problem. Either they solve. So they don't talk to the other, or they just avoid dealing with the issue completely. And then it just grows. It doesn't go away. It just grows and becomes a monster. And as I say, on Judgment Day, you'll become accountable for the monster you produced. You won't be let off the hook and saying that I just didn't want to be confrontational or whatever. Those excuses don't answer before God. You know, spouses, uh, and it works for even superiors and inferiors. So as an inferior, if my superior is doing something wrong or going about things even the wrong way, and I can assist them and say, look, I think this might be a better way because we're there to help each other in some ways, to complement one another. Well, If I don't do that out of charity, out of prudence, I, I am helping form somebody who thinks that whatever they do because they're in authority is the best. That's not true. That's not, a, that's not right. Sorry. That's a false concept of authority. Uh, we assist with our experience, our insight, our wisdom, and we admit, look, this is my, my limited two cents worth, but it might be of some assistance to you in, in your proceedings. And w- whether they accept it or not, that's, that's between them and their conscience and God. But to just think that I have no, no relation in, uh, in the forming of uh, my superior as an inferior, that's not true. No, no one, no spouse is perfect by themselves. They, they help complement one another. Uh, But they go about it in a different way, that's all. Uh, But each must go about it in a way that is fitting for the other to receive it. Otherwise, we are actually uh, undermining the very good that we would like to think that we are trying to achieve. And then in the end, what becomes, uh, we end up making those under us resentful, which means that in life... Sun Tzu makes this point in in, in The Art of War, that we ought never to proceed in an action unless there's something to be gained by it. In other words, in life, pick your battles. You know, it's very interesting, this point that Cardinal Newman makes. He says, in relation to the Holy Ghost and us, sometimes, he says, your children, they will be childish. And uh, Cardinal Newman says that in those instances, the best thing is to ignore it. Why? Because it says in time, in due course, the Holy Ghost will make them mature. But in instances where your children are malicious, in those instances, yeah, you have a duty to correct them. And you ought to correct them in a way that's fitting for them. But you've got to pick your battles in life. That's the point. You know, if it's in a war, okay, so I move my men here and we we, we conquer this little place. Yeah, but is that really actually beneficial for the war that we are waging? Or is that just wasting time and energy? And, and I think this is important. When we are dealing with people, events, situation, our family, we have to say, look, what's the long-term goal that I'm, I'm out to achieve? It's not just... Sometimes that's why the saints would... Sometimes they would turn a blind eye to some things. Why? Because there's more to be gained in the future uh, than always nitpicking everything. There's time there's more to be gained. We have to look ahead. Uh, is this going to benefit... What I'm trying to form her is actually, in the long term, going to undermine it. And this requires prudence. And, you know, it's not by accident that the church, when she looks at all of the saints, she asks, were they prudent? Our Lady in her litany, we call her Virgin Most Prudent. Saint Joseph, we call him Joseph Most Prudent. Uh, And he's speaking on this very point in relation to Saint Joseph. Uh, Father uh, Albert Powers, the Jesuit and well-known author, says, Prudence is one of the supreme virtues of a ruler. The patriarch, Saint Joseph, was sold by his brethren into slavery. But through the special grace and providence of God, he rose to be the chief minister of uh, the Egyptian pharaoh, in which uh, high office he displayed such prudence That the king gave him complete charge of his household with authority to dispense as he pleased the royal property now he was the prototype of the other and greater joseph who was also by special grace and providence of god rose from a humble station to the master of god's own household with such authority vested in his hands as was never before entrusted to any living creature whether a man or an angel authority namely to direct, guide, and instruct the child that was God himself and to determine his actions and his mode of life. Saint Joseph, most just and prudent. Pray for us. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Amen.